Let's continue the conversation, though, because I don't want to break the chain of thought and certainly do appreciate his thoughts. Michael Bagram is on the line, DA Shadow Minister for Labor in the National Assembly, as well as the proprietor of Bagram's specialist, labor law specialists in Cape Town. Michael Bagram, he's known as Bags. So, Bags, your thoughts, please. Good evening. Welcome back. It's been some time. Hi, thank you. Yes, it has been. And thank you for having me on air. I really appreciate it. Look, I feel heart sore for the unions because they've been taken for a ride. A serious one. Uh, uh, yeah, absolute serious ride. Uh, to the tune of billions of rands, they've let down the government's let down the people completely. They're, when people go into negotiations and government actually appoints people to go in, and in fact the minister, Ayanbad Lodlaw, um, specifically mandated that team to go in and speak to the unions, I'm absolutely sure in my mind that she and her legal advisors must have known that they can hold their thumbs behind their back um, and, and, make, and make a complete mockery of the whole negotiating process. And in fact, if I was in the unions, and I'm giving them a piece of my legal advice, I would sue the individuals who came in. Uh, let's let them say that we didn't know, and then actually take the minister on, because the minister then endorsed all of this and passed it on. And in fact, government went ahead and paid two years worth of the money. Um, who's responsible for all that? And there's no heads rolling. They must. The unions must take this on, because. You know, as you've just heard, they can't trust government ever again. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't trust them ever again. Bags, let, never, let's go yeah. back two lines here. Let's just go back two yeah. lines here. I mean, there are those who have not read what this judgment says and who don't quite understand the basis of the dispute and why this matter was dismissed, at least. Can you just quickly go through in a minute the salient features of this precisely in relation to the principal agent and one not having the authority from the other? Okay, look, this is you're dealing with government. Government has regulations. The regulations state that the Minister um, of Finance needs to, first of all, indicate that there is finance for it and that the Treasury does have the backing to pay the increase. That is done in the regulations. So when the minister, it was Dodlaw at the time, at the time sorry, I'm pronouncing it yeah, incorrectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dodlaw. The minister, Ayanda Dodlaw, actually then did not take that step to find out if the government could afford and if the government was giving her the, the wherewithal to go ahead with those negotiations and to come to a certain point to say, right, we've now reached the end of our mandate. And it's not for the unions to make that decision. That's there in the regulations and, in fact, in the Constitution, that when you're dealing with government, you have to have those uh, put into place. It was only two years later that... When the Minister of Finance then, the new Minister of Finance then, um, questioned this and said, but hold on a minute, we can't afford this. Did someone give the mandate at the time? And then went and checked and there was no mandate. Now, you can't say, oh, oh sorry about that. That's a real uh, mess up. We've now put in government online for what's it, close on 50 billion rand. And what's more, in the future, because now they're negotiating for increases this year, but the increases are negotiated on the lower amount. So the, the unions are missing out altogether. Look, I, I must tell you very strongly, I think the cival servants, and I'm gonna, they're going to all hate me for this, I think they're overpaid. 
And I think we've got too many civil servants, and it's, thank God the government won the case here. But you can't do it off the back of a lie. And that's what's happened. Yeah, they you're addressing lied. two issues here. Yeah? I mean, let, let, let's deal with the lie, never mind the political position of the DA. Yeah. So, Bags, there are half a million people here who are members of FEDUSA who are affected by this. Now, we are clearly dealing with, one, that lie, and two, the fact that even on the basis of that lie for two years, these monies were paid. Could there not be a strong argument for legitimate expectation? Oh, Absolutely. It could be, and that argument was raised. The court, and this is the end of the road. There is no, there is no argument now. There's no sure, way forward. Sure, sure, I accept. The court has specifically said, you're dealing with government. This is technical, and you have to get all your ducks in a row. And if you haven't got the technical possibilities and probabilities all in place, and if the Minister of Finance and the Treasury has not given you the go-ahead, then it's illegal. It's pro non scripto as if it wasn't written. Now, you can imagine the shock of the union negotiators who now have to face their half a million. Fiducers are half a million, but there's more. There are a lot more civil servants who have lost out. Fiducers are a smaller party in this whole exercise. They've lost out, and they've got to explain this to their union members. If you were dealing with Bagram's attorneys and you were negotiating your, your salary... Well, we don't, we're not bound by the technicalities. So there you can have an argument. You can raise an argument. You showed me the fact that you were there to negotiate on behalf of the employer. Mm-hmm. You negotiated on behalf of the employer. You paid me the first year increase. You now, unfortunately, you can't turn your back on it. And you can't say the person that negotiated didn't have a mandate. No court would accept that. But you're now dealing with government. And you're dealing with regulations. And if the regulation has not been put through, then it is now as if it was not written. But someone has to take the blame. And the minister is, in fact, the person in charge. Okay, the let's leave it there. The let's leave it there, Bags. Yeah. I've got to go to the news, but I think because I've got a caller coming through in Comrade from Emma Lasseni, I really would want him to pose whatever his thoughts are and you have the opportunity to respond because I think this is something which... Because it hasn't blown up now, it certainly has to blow up because, I mean, this precedence of the craziest kind. It's 21 hours, 54 seconds. Let's go to news. I'm very sorry, guys, for the news coming in so late. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Viewpoint weekdays 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Song is on on the viewpoint. We're talking now to Mr. Michael Bagram, DA Shadow Minister for Labour in the National Assembly, as well as his being the proprietor of Bagram's Attorneys, Specialist Labour Consultants and Attorneys. Comrade Amalatheni has a contribution to make to the conversation currently under discussion, that being the public wage bill, one being too high, at least that's the argument, but specifically the constitutional court judgment where FEDUSA members who have been enjoying, according to a collective agreement, two years' worth of wages, now the final year is not going to be paid because there never was supposed to be a payment in the first place because the department 
had not received the necessary authorizations per the regulations. Let's continue now very briefly, please. Comrade Emma Lathlene, good evening. Yes, mm. it, It's a very sad day indeed uh, today. What kind of government or what kind of a court that allows government to use it like this? I mean, we expect government to have people they've got graduates, they've got uh, deputy directors, they've got educated people that are managing government affairs. How does government send representatives that are not rightfully the representatives of government? This, is, this question is the whole thing about South Africa as a country. What kind of a society are we living under when government fails to send competent people to represent them? And they use their blunders to, in court to win a case against the poor public servants. No, it's, it's so unfair. It certainly is unfair. Thank you so much for your thoughts there, comrade. Final comments from you, Bags. You were saying that the government minister is the one who ultimately has to take the responsibility for this. Was I understanding you correctly? Absolutely. You cannot, you just cannot show your face in public after a complete lie that we've just seen. I mean, here we've got a caller that phones in and says, well, what kind of government? I mean, it is it, ridiculous. Can you imagine if I, as an attorney, and I negotiate wages with trade unions every single month, uh, different trade unions, if I, as an attorney, wanted the trade union to trust me in the future, and I cheated one, two years ago, they yes, would sure. never come near me. Absolutely never. We've got a government that's actually living on a lie. And this is not just half a million people. And it's all the civil servants are affected by this. It is, it, it is ludicrous. I don't even know why we're even thinking about whether the minister should be around. Um, I know the minister went and messed up the KwaZulu-Natal defense as well because she got moved out of that position. But this is ridiculous. And how a president can allow that minister to be around after having wasted two years of government's money, which they weren't supposed to pay over. Who's going to try and claw that money back? Can you imagine the disaster we'd have then? Because that money was illegally paid to the employees. Um, the whole thing is, I mean, if this, if this wasn't so serious and so sad, we'd think we're living in Alice in Wonderland. There clearly um, are no was, winners in all of this here, Bags. There are no, clearly no every, winners, except perhaps just the value of what this constitutional court judgment now means. It's going to force unions to get, or rather force unions when they get to the negotiating table, to probably do a bit more due diligence. And I think there is certainly merit in that argument. What perhaps then would unions be forced to do to ensure that they don't find their members so exposed as the members of FEDUSA now are going to be? In other words, what should a union have done to ensure that all the necessary authorizations had been secured? Well, in that instance, if you're looking back three years ago, they shouldn't have done anything. They, they go there in good faith. They're talking to a government after all. They're not talking to the sponsor shop. They're talking to government. But now they can't trust government. And they never will be able to trust government. And I'm sure they never will trust government ever again. They've got to put in a clause saying that you have the necessary authority, first of all. But you have to go one step further than that, because even a clause like that doesn't, doesn't uh, be full safe. You now need the certificate from the Treasury to say that they have got a mandate up to X. So it's going to be very difficult in the future actually negotiating, because you know what the end result is. We've also got another problem in that the budget speech is given 
before they've come to an agreement with the trade unions, which is also a bit topsy-turvy. Uh, we don't know whether the horse is behind the cart or the cart is in front of the horse. We don't know. Developing story. Yeah. I'm suggesting that this is a developing story, Bags. Unfortunately, I have to move on because the conversations that I need still to have are quite heavy. So thank you so much for the short notice, for your time. Most importantly, your thoughts, ever so candid. Michael Bagram. Thank you. 21-11, everybody. After the conversation, census and the homeless people.